Okay, so uh, Tom, you were talking about Al Snow before the break. Uh, go ahead. Well, the reason why I was talking about, you know, that, you know, me doing this for 22 years and I still have a reflection on the Al Snow. Um, one last point I was going to make is, is we actually booked him on the show uh, last uh, September. And uh, I've been doing this for 22 years. You know, he's my mentor, this and the other. And he actually told me that he was proud of what we were doing and trying to keep uh, the wrestling uh, going in this area and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And anybody that knows Al Snow, he don't throw around compliments to anybody. You know, he's a self-made person. You know, he, he, he you know, he, he's very, very, uh, I always use the analogy of he, if, he, if you've done anything wrong, he'll tell you. But if you're doing everything right, he won't say a word. He's not the type of person to throw out compliments. He ain't the type of person that, you know, that put it, put your, put your, put, put themselves over or put yourself over to them or that sort of thing. So, you know, the biggest thing for me coming out of that was, is, you know, I, like I said, I, even after doing this for so long, I still have, has a reflection on him. And the, the crazy thing about it is I just read an article or was listening to an article of him talking and he pretty much said the same thing about his mentor. His mentor was Jim Lancaster, Jim Painter. And, he pretty much said the same thing that, you know, that the way Al's conducted himself over the last 35 years or whatever is, has a reflection on who his mentor was and, and that sort of thing. And the funny thing about it is, is, uh, you know, I've talked to Jim Lancaster, Jim Painter over the years. And the cool thing about it is, is where we run our shows at now in the current venue mm -hmm. um, is where Al Snow actually trained um, in that building like 30 some years ago. Really? So it's kind of come full circle, you know, and it's kind of cool because, uh, you know, I asked them if they had any old pictures of when Al trained there and that sort of thing. And they, they were, you know, trying to find them because I think it's like their 65th year or 70th year is getting ready to come up. And they were asking me about, you know, possibly him coming or Jim Lancaster coming back or that sort of thing. But it's kind of cool, you know, to know that, you know, where we're running our current shows in our current venue, our home venue or whatever, is Al Snow trained in those very, uh, you know, in that very, very building, you know, 30 some years ago. You know, so, but yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, um, you know, I know John Orlando, you know, can, can talk about, you know, the way Jeff uh, Cannon did things back in the day and, you know, the way he always felt about, you know, it's a reflection onto your mentor and all of that. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing I, I, I'm very, very old school in my way of thinking, whatever, you know, like I said, you know, even as a 40 some year old man, you know, I still feel in the wrestling, you know, I'm a nobody. And, uh, you know, I tell people that I'm on the bottom rung of a ladder and it's broke. And I always feel like I got to prove myself show after show after show, because what people fail to realize is, is you're only as good as your last show. People have very, very okay. small memories and, you know, you got to give it to the fans time and time again. And I think that's one thing that's been lost over to like maybe say the last 10 years or so is, is the new generation are more worried about doing it for themselves and, and their buddies in the, in, in the back. And, and they lose the translation that without the fans, there is no show. It's just two guys basically wrestling in their underwear, you know. And I think that's a big, huge mistake on a lot of promoters and a lot of promotions is, is they, they, they forget about the fans. They forget about the fans that stand in the lines. And, 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 and you know, like in our case within war wrestling, um, I just told somebody this the other day. You know, I had kids when we started that were, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old who are now bringing their kids and or their grandkids to the shows. So, you know, it's kind of like they've seen the evolution of us and they've seen us, you know, stand the test of time. Um, and, and that has a lot to do with, you know, um, the people that we've surrounded ourselves with over the last uh, 22 years, you know, or 17 years as war wrestling, you know. But, yeah, 
you know, like I said, uh, you know, Don, I'm, you know, go back to the Donnie thing. You know, I've talked to Donnie and, and John knows, you know, um, I'm very, very outspoken about the wrestling and uh, I'm very, very outspoken um, about, you know, uh, how wrestling should be or shouldn't be. And Donnie brought up a good point, you know, just because I do a thing a certain way, it may not work in another place, but at least you get people to think outside the box about how to do things and how to improve things. Like you would be amazed on what a little bit of food and a little bit of water in the locker room does to the morale of your, 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 your wrestlers, you know, and people just don't realize that, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the cool thing about it is like with what we do is I got a buddy who owns a uh, food company. Mm-hmm. He's a personal chef and he's been catering our shows the past couple of times or whatever. And he came to me, he said, Hey dude, how can I help? And I'm like, well, you know, you can throw some money our way, you know, or you can cook some food for everybody. Well, here he is. He's cooking for, you know, 50, 60, 70 people every single show and doesn't charge us a dime. And we're talking, this dude is a professional chef, you know, um, but it's kind of, those are the little things that you need to do to, you know, let the people know that they care. Even if it's just pizza, you know, I mean, even if it's just pizza, who cares? It's something that uh, 90% of the other promoters and promotions don't do. You know, and it also cuts down on the cost. Like I was saying, if a guy makes 50 bucks, he's putting 30 in, in, in his gas tank to get there. And he's got to spend $20 on to eat, you know, then they're making nothing, you know. So, right. you know, no one's getting rich on working the independence, you know. But the thing about it is, is, you know, if you know that you can give them a little bit of food, a little bit of water, and they don't have to spend that extra money, then, you know, to me, it's a win-win situation uh, for everybody involved. And I think one of the key points you mentioned, Tom, is knowing your fans and doing things for your fans. I think that, you know, as you mentioned, Jeff Cannon, I think that was the biggest, one of the biggest, I don't know if it was the biggest, but one of the big things that he really focused on is making sure that, hey, you know, our crowd is this type of of crowd. You know, there are going to be families that are going to bring their kids. Uh, We want to have wrestling that fits their particular idea of what wrestling is, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, keep it clean, have some great action, interact with the fans. And, and I think that was one of his big mantras was making sure that, you know, those are the people that plunk down money that could have went to the movies or could have went out to dinner or could have done something else with that money. But instead they're there at that venue to see you perform and to see your product and to have some pride in it for the fans. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I mean, um, you know, uh, you know, I can kind of give you a little bit of a story of, uh, you know, how we are, you know, like I, I tell people, you know, how much we've given back over the years. But there's one story that sticks in my mind or whatever, um, talking about, you know, fans and how low they are to you. And, and that sort of thing is, is we had a ticket outlet called Regali's Pizza. Um, he was with us for a very, very long time. And actually, Bessie Dillinger was the manager of it at the time. Well, they had a lady there that, you know, she had basically came with the building per se. I mean, she had been there a long, long time. And, and she called me one day out of the blue and she was like, hey, we got a little bit of a dilemma. And I'm like, you know, what the hell's going on? You know, it's the week of a show. You know, I'm thinking, you know, the worst, you know. She's like, well, I got this family up here and there's a mom and a dad and they got six kids and they really want to come to the show. But I overheard them basically saying that they wanted to come to the show, but they were going to let their electric bill go. And... Uh, she was totally freaking out about it, you know? And uh, so I was like, well, you know, what do you want me to do? You know I mean? I'm all about giving back and this, that, and the other. And I said, well, tell them this, say, buy two tickets for the parents and I'll let all the kids in for free. And this family, they started bawling. They were crying because guess what? That was their one time a month 
that they could go out as a family and have a good time. And guess what? Those kids will remember that show, those wrestlers, that venue, the, you know, the time of their lives. And those parents didn't want to disappoint their kids. So basically they probably told them, oh yeah, this month we're going to go to war wrestling or whatever. And then, you know, those reality came and they had to choose, you know, and I'm not about that. You know, I tell people this all the time, you know, we've donated tickets, I've discounted tickets, I've done whatever, you know, cause if, you know, it's all about those memories, you know, and without those memories or whatever, you know, I want those kids to be able to look at their mom and dad that they're like, they're a superhero. So what's that little 20 or $30 going to do to me? You know, it's not going to make or break my day-to-day life. And that's the big thing with me is, is, you know, like I said, you know, me and my wife have given back, you know, $350,000, you know, that's a lot of money, you know, I mean, you know, but it's what's needed in this community. It's what's needed in, in this town. And I know Jeff Cannon did a lot of stuff back in the day with OCW on the charity side and all of that. And you know what, those are the, those are the memories that I'm going to have the rest of my life. And, and those are the memories that those kids are going to have, you know, that who as a parent wants to go and tell their kids that they don't have the money to go to the wrestling show. Nobody wants to do that. You know what I mean? So in my case, guess what? Yeah, here, here's some free tickets. You know, it's no big deal to me, you know, and because guess what? When they do, when they can financially afford it, they're going to buy those tickets for everyone the next show, right. you know? So that's, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the big thing with me. You know, I tell people that, you know, I mean, uh, you know, in my community and in my town, you know, my wrestlers are seen as legitimate stars. They do not see the difference between the war wrestling stars and the guys that's in WWE right now. They don't see the difference. And to me, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, being able to give back and doing those little things or whatever as a community. You know, I don't want the limelight. You know, the kind of funny thing about it is, is, you know, I get, I got a PR girl now. And the reason why I have a PR girl is because I'm not politically correct. You know, she turns my 10 bad words into five good words. Um, you know, because you, John, John and Donnie knows I'm in your face. I really don't care what you think about me. This is the way it is. If you don't like it, there's the door. Um, but she's opened up some doors for us or whatever. And, and the cool thing about it is, is, you know, she sees, uh, she wants to get me in a room, you know, full of all these people, you know, and this, that, and the other. And the funny thing about it is, is, you know, now we got the local news wanting to do stories on us. And, you know, they're always asking, you know, me to be, you know, that, that guy. And uh, I'm not that guy. I don't need to stand out in front of the local news and tell them how great I am or whatever. I want to be in the trenches. I want to be able to, you know, uh, give back and uh, make a difference that way. I don't need to pound on my chest and tell everybody how great I am or whatever, because that's not me, you know? Um, so that's, you know, that's the good thing about me. You know, I'm a more of a blue collar guy in the trenches, willing to set up and do the legwork and all of that. Um, but, and I think that's one reason why the fans respect what we do is because I'm just like them. You know, I'm a blue collar guy who so happens to run professional wrestling shows in the community that I live in. And I think that's the reason why it works for what we do is I don't think I'm better than anybody. You know, I go to Walmart and shop. Uh, you know, that's the ironic thing about it. Whatever it is, is, you know, I go to Walmart and I see some of our fans inside Walmart and they always ask me what the hell I'm doing in Lima, Ohio, shopping at Walmart. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you're at Walmart shopping at Walmart. And I'm like, yeah, I live here too, just like you, you know? So I guess that's the, per, you know, the perception, you know, that, you know, we've made it big time in this community. Right. Um, and that, but yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. Without the fans, there is no reason to do this. So Tom, let's talk about probably one of the more negative parts about being a promoter is I'm sure somewhere along the line, you've had to deal with, well, we'll say difficult talent. So 
I mean, for people that are trying to learn, they're listening to this podcast, try to take some notes and whatnot. Right. Maybe even Donnie, you can chime in. What What's the best way to deal with those difficult folks? Get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I knew you were going to say, "Don't book them ever again." I knew that um, coming. But <laughs> I guess, I guess, I mean, I guess it just depends on what you mean by difficult. You know, I mean, I will tell people this all the time, and, and actually, when I say this, it'll it, it'll probably ring some bells with some of the OCW guys back in the day. Um, and even some of the war guys, whatever, back in the day. But the only guy that's not replaceable is the one paying the bills. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not said. You know, and the reality of it is, is for every one guy that doesn't want to be there, there's 10 more that does. And, you know, you got to look at it. You got to look at it from that point of view. You know, I'll give you a good example. You know, I talk, I talk to people. I told you, you know, that I set rules and I have the expectations and this, that, and the other. Um, quite a few years ago, there was a gentleman by the name of Chad Collier. He got a WWE deal and he went to Japan and he, you know, he was the super indie guy back in the day with Matt Stryker and all those guys or whatever. And I used him and he was there with Chris Saban and Alex Shelley and all these, you know, guys that were hot and agile McGinnis and all that. And uh, I post rules at my show, you know, you know, no swearing and this, that, and the other. And one of my big rules is no drinking and no dope smoking. And uh, he was caught after the match drinking a beer. And I walked up to him point blank and said, dude, pack your shit and go. And he looked at me like I was a three-headed monster. And I said, you know, you broke one of my rules. And he's like, oh, bro, it's after the show. It's this, that, and the other. And I said, yeah, but I give, if I give you an inch, everyone else is going to take a mile. Mm-hmm. And he never worked for me ever again, point blank. You know, I, I fired my own champion from our show. We did a show in Dulce Center, Ohio at a fair and festival and he showed up two hours late and demanded money and made a big huge scene and this that and the other and all this other crap and i legit fired him right on the spot and he was our champion at the time and it's just the fact of the matter is is you know you got to treat this like a job could you go into your regular job and be an asshole without any repercussions no you, you couldn't so guess what i'm the boss if you don't like it i'll replace you and a lot of people don't like that you know, me saying that, but that's the truth of the matter is you have to, they have to know the ground rules and they have to know that no matter what, you're not going to tolerate it. And, you know, I feel that we treat our talent good. You know, um, I feel that, you know, I'm not saying we pay the best. I'm not saying, you know, this and the other, but, you know, we have a history here, you know, Um, the smallest show we've ever ran house show in our home venue for fans is 300 people. Not too many people, not too many promotions can ever say that. You know, that in 17 years, the smallest legit crowd we've ever had is 300 people. When I tell, when I tell people, you know, 300 people, I mean 300 people. I'm not the typical promoter that I drew 150 and I'm saying I drew 300. You know, so yeah. yeah. Right. You know, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, d- difficult telling is, you know, my wife tells me all the time that professional wrestling as a promoter is grown up babysitting. <laughs> and you know i tend to believe that because you, yeah. you're dealing with different egos you're dealing dealing with different uh aspects of life you know one of my big things right now is, is i'm 40 getting ready to be 47 years old and i got kids that are on my roster right now that are 18 19 20 years old what the hell do i have in common with them other than professional wrestling 
Right. You know, right. so you got you got to be able to let them know. You got to be able to lead by example. You got to be able to, you know, let them know the ground rules. And, you know, the veteran guys got to take these young kids off to the side and teach them the rights and wrongs. You know, that's the big thing with me right now with wrestling is, is you know, all these veteran guys want to talk out both sides of their mouths. And what I mean is, they're, you know, they talk about, oh, they need to pay their dues and they need to do this and they need to do that. But they're also the same guy who wants that green kid to drive him everywhere and show up two hours late and leave two hours early and this, that, and the other. And, you know, it's just one of those things, you know. But as far as the talent, it's, it's, it's truly, truly a guessing game on dealing with difficult talent. Um, you know, I got some guys. Um, I'll, give you, I'll drop a name right now. I got a guy who wrestles for me. I've used him for like 10 years. And he's on the verge of being a big deal. He actually works for Impact Wrestling, which is Jake Something. And uh, Jake Something, to me, is one of the most humble guys I've ever been around. And what I mean by that is, is um, he, he, and I don't know if I'm name dropping or whatever, but his girlfriend is Ruby Wright. That's in the WWE. Okay. okay. Well, we had a show, WrestleMania weekend, and he wasn't booked um, on our show. And I just assumed that he was going to be in the, at the WWE with her. And I posted on our uh, staff page that I needed a guy, you know, uh, had a cancellation and this, that, and the other. And he messaged me out and he said, brother, I'll be there. I'm like two hours away from Lima. Can you, know, can, do you got that spot up? And I said, yeah. Now here's a guy who looks the part, acts the part, could have been at WrestleMania rubbing shoulders or whatever with all the WWE people, you know, his girlfriend's a WWE superstar. And when I questioned him about it, the one thing he told me was, is he said, I want to earn it on my own. And that totally blew me away. And that is a guy that is a guy that I will go to bat for any day of the week because here's what he looks better than most of the guys. He's better than most of the guys. He's bigger than most of the guys. He has WWE connections, this, that, and the other, but he wants to earn it on his own. And to me, that speaks volumes about him as a person and as a human being. And you don't really find that too many times on the independent scene. You know, um, most of the time, you know, guys want to not earn it. You know, they just want to, you know, rub shoulders with whoever and earn the, you know, get that way. But yeah, I mean, that's like I said, but then you've got the opposite of that where you got a guy who's never done anything in wrestling, doesn't look the part, act the part or whatever. And, you know, he's demanding more money and, <laughs> you know, he wants to be the champ and, you know, his mom's mad if he isn't winning his matches, you know, whatever else. But yeah, I mean, the whole gamut, you know, um, you know, uh, what do you think, John? I mean, as far as that, have you ever dealt with any when he was with OCW, dealt with people? Um, well, you know, I, I got to say, I think that we were blessed that we didn't have too many folks that were difficult. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the few that were um, never really worked for Jeff ever again. So yeah. it, was, it was just that, well, you know, it's kind of, it's, it was kind of the experience of, well, we're in a bad situation. Let's just, let's just tough it out, power through it. At the end of the show, we'll just deal with it then. Yeah. Um, yep. So I mean, but yeah, I mean, you, 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 we had the same issues, folks not wanting to do, you know, the biggest one that used to, that used to just blow my mind is I don't want to do the job. Right. Well, guess what? Someone has to. So, <laughs> well, you know, well, here I, I can I can I got a funny story about that or whatever. Uh, kind of doing that, I had a I get it to the point now where you know I book things or whatever to you know because I I want to see it or you know I think it's going to be funny or you know or whatever, and I, I I play tricks on guys now. I make them I make them play paper rock scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that that always blew my mind. It's like, look, you know, in in regards to, 
you know, there's a reason why we want you to do the job because right. of this or that or this, and it's a bigger picture type of thing. Yep. And, you know, a lot of guys only, they only see the small picture. They don't see the bigger picture of things. Well, and, but, you know. but, but I, I can speak from a promoter promoting aspect on that. Um, most promoters only think show to show. Sure. They don't, yeah. they don't, they don't think long-term. They don't think that way. So that, so that trickles down to the guys. You know, that trickles down to the guys thinking, well, you know, I don't want to lose because I'm going to lose my push or, you know, whatever. And, and it's just, and, and that's inbred. You know, I can think of two guys right now who, you know, Donnie knows and, and you know, who worked for me for years and years and years and hardly ever won a match. And they were two of the most over guys I ever used, which was Dusty Dillinger and Jock Sampson. Mm-hmm. You know, Jock Sampson, you know, he would run his mouth and he'd get his ass kicked and the fans loved it. And, you know, Dusty Dillinger was the same way. You know, I mean, they were two of the most over guys I ever used in the history of our company that hardly ever won a match. I mean, yeah, Jock Sampson was our champion for a long time or whatever. But, you know, the thing was, is when it called for him to get his ass kicked, he didn't come to me and be like, hey, brother, I can't lose tonight. You know, you're exactly right. I mean, <laughs> there's got to be a winner or a loser, and you got to yeah. think long. You got to think long term, and that's one thing I think. Going back to you know what one of our successes is is um, I have a yearly meeting um, that when our anniversary show ends, we have a yearly meeting to where we know what we're going to do the following year, and we work backwards from there. And what I mean by that is is we know what we're going to do, say for War 17, which is in February 2020. And we work backwards from there. So everything leading up from the previous, that year, going towards that show, all the angles and storylines and all of that is geared towards that. And to me, these fans follow the angles and the storylines and then they have the payoff at the end. And a lot of promoters don't do that because, you know, they don't, they don't think long-term what's going to put, you know, asses in the seats and fans in the stands and sell the most tickets. And to me, um, fans don't remember the moves. They remember the emotions. And emotions is what sells tickets. And people, you know, they'll argue with me till they're blue in the face. But guess what? If I seen, you know, the big show do a drop kick off the top top rope, yeah, that's a move. But emotionally, I'm thinking, holy crap, that dude's seven foot tall and he mm-hmm. just did it, whatever. They're going to remember that. They're not going to remember, you know, a certain move, a certain whatever. You know, they want to be emotionally involved, you know. And that's one thing I tell everybody, you know, nothing's – we're not reinventing the wheel here doing wrestling – in, in the modern era, it's still good versus evil. It's still bad guy versus good guy. And a lot of people don't realize that is if you can get a fan to emotionally connect to where they're happy or they're sad or they're pissed off or upset or whatever, they're more likely going to dip in their pocket to see that payoff show after show after show. I don't need that $50 ticket that first time. I'll keep the tickets affordable. I'll keep them at 15 bucks because guess what? I'm going to run 10 shows that year. So now that fan has just popped down 150 bucks instead of 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that because on top of that, that fan is buying merchandise. That fan is buying concessions. That fan is telling his friends, his family or whatever. Then that equals out to more ticket sales. And, uh, you know, I tell people that I actually uh, just had a sto- uh, thing at our, uh, our last anniversary show. A buddy of mine who bowls with my wife, he had never been to any of our shows ever. And he wanted to support the show. He's like, dude, I, you know, you you guys support me. You know, our team name is war wrestling. You, you pay for my shirt. You know, you did this, this, and this, I want to come to a show. I've never, I've never, ever, you know, been to one. And he bought 20 front row seats at $20 a ticket. He handed me four $100 bills and said, Hey, I will be there. Now he wants to come every single show because he emotionally was involved. He was like, Holy crap. This is just like the WWE and I'm six foot from it. And I'm, 
it's a lot less more expensive than the WWE and I had just a great time. You know, so he was emotionally involved. He was, he, he enjoyed what we were doing, you know, and I tell people that all the time, a long-term angle and storyline and emote with emotions will outweigh any one spot show or one spot move or one spot match. Um, you know, I tell people, you know, I mean, I guess that's maybe of an old school guard, you know, uh, old school guard or whatever, you know, as far as the emotional side, because I know a lot of the promoters now and promotions now are about the, you know, athleticism and, and, and all that sort of thing. And uh, I'm not like that, you know, I guess that maybe that's maybe what separates me from a lot of the other promoters. Um, I know Donnie's, you know, he thinks long-term too, um, you know, and, and all that with certain talents he's using and all of that. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I think it's just a different mentality um, than, than what a, other lot of promoters have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if I could add to that, it's uh, like with the wrestlers and I'm thinking long term, the difficult part of that is knowing you got the good wrestlers that aren't going to cause trouble, that are going to be there long term, so you can put that investment and that story into them. But if you build a three or four month long story and they're a total jerk and you get rid of them, then you just wasted all that time and effort. So uh, yeah, just having the right people in the right place is, is key. And uh, just like going back to uh, what you initially asked, John, about um, about the wrestlers and how to handle them, uh, like promoters, they get a raw deal. I mean, even when I was a wrestler, not a promoter, I could still see it. You know, they get they get the people that talk great to them to their face, and sometimes behind their back they talk good. And then you got the ones that talk bad about them behind their back and talk good to them through their face, and and then just guys that just flat out slam them for whatever reason. So there's always the good and the bad on the promoters. But what a lot of people don't understand, if you take just a normal seven match card and they're all singles matches, that's 14 guys and gals. And you think you got the, the wrestling character persona. And we talked about this in a couple of podcast episodes back. You got the wrestling character persona. You got their real life persona. So you're technically dealing with 28 personalities minimum not counting the referees, not counting yeah. the announcers, not counting your people helping out. You know, so every show you're dealing with 30 to 40 minimum different personalities. And that's a lot for one person to deal with and try to commingle and, and do. And, and some people don't get it. They just like, oh, well, he's a jerk because he's not giving me what I want. And it's like, no, I'm, you know, I got 10 other people wanting me to do something else real quick, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's yeah, I agree, Donnie, because that's where yeah. I told you, you know, the, the grown-up babysitting comes into play. <laughs> mm, yep, yep. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing here, you know, as I'll share real quick, look, we knew, and I say we because, you know, I traveled with Adam Michaels for a long, long time in OCW. Adam and I was new, show day, go say hello to Jeff and then just do what you need to do because he was always on edge. And I think he'll admit that. The, until the show started, he was on edge that day. So we yeah. just learn. All right, cool. We'll go say hello. What needs done? We'll go to it. We'll leave him do his thing because, you know, on show days, he was difficult to deal with. Sometimes. Show day, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sorry, Jeff, but he knows it. I'm not saying anything he doesn't admit to. I got 17 years of that. So trust and believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Put it this way. You can, you can ask my wife this. We don't even talk the day of the show. We ride to the show together, and she leaves me the hell alone. <laughs> yeah, I, call a, I call it promoter mode. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the thing is, is you are right. I mean, uh, you, know, um, you know, just the pressure, you know, I mean, because here's another thing you, that Donnie was talking about that I kind of wanted to relate to a little bit was, is, you know, talk about the pressure. Think about this for one second. If the show bombs, who's, 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 who's forking out all that extra money? 
You know, that, that's something that a lot of people don't realize or whatever is, is, you know, I hear, I hear this story all the time. You know, they're like, oh, have the money before you, you know, you do the show and you do this and you do that and blah, 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 blah. And I know Donnie makes a point to do it and all of that. But I can flat out sit here and tell you is, is when I do my shows, maybe it's just because I, I believe in our product and it's going to, you know, I feel it's going to sell tickets. But I've never in a, on a rare, rare, rare occasion had all the payroll 100% set in stone or whatever prior to the show. Because I got so many other expenses that I, you know, that I, that I got to worry about, you know, um, you know, building and insurance and commission stuff and flyers and tickets and posters and concessions and all this other stuff leading up to the show. You know, I'm $3,500 invested in a show before I sell one ticket, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, um, you know, but the reality of it is, is I believe in our product. I believe in our talent and I believe it's going to sell tickets. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Donnie knows this. And I think even John Orlando knows this to a degree. You know, we've all been involved where, you know, you get the hot dog and the handshake treat. And, you know, it's just part of the business. I get it. But, you know, my, my whole thing on it is, is, you know, why should, you know, you talked about, you know, the bad promoters and this, that, and the other. You know, we're all grouped in it together. And the thing that I hated about the business of it right now is, is that, you know, I feel we, we go above and beyond. But I'm grouped in with a guy, like, say, you know, Scott Russell, Bull Miller back in the day. You know, he didn't pay guys and he had a bad reputation and this and the other. And guess what, Donnie? You, you're going, you're trying to cross them bridges that he burned 10 years ago. Yep. You know, and, and that's the whole thing is, is God rest his soul. You know, he had his own way of doing things. He stood the test of time and this and the other. But, you know, it's the same thing is, is we're all grouped together, the good, the bad and the ugly. And, you know, it's just one of those things that people need to realize is the pressure that a promoter is under. You know, I mean, I can sit here and tell you, and, and this may shock some people, but if I knew what I knew now, 22 years or even 17 years ago about promoting, I would have never ran a show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's being me being straight up honest. I would never do it because the amount of pressure that I'm on them to deliver show after show after show time after time after time is unbearable sometimes, you know, um, you know, I legit take meds, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, but it's just the reality of it, you know? Um, and that's the reason why I think, you know, that when guys like Donnie, and Jeff Cannon back in the day, and me and Jimmy Lee and guys like that, that was kind of, you know, um, we'll get that old school mentality is, is those are the guys that people need to learn from, you know, and, and realize that we are truly, truly trying our best to deliver the product that pleases the boys, that pleases the fans, and it's a long-term goal for everybody. Yeah, and that's exactly the point of this podcast is to try to try to get that knowledge out there and because I know there's a lot of shady people out there and there's a lot of promoters that don't want other promoters help or don't want to be buddies with other promoters and they just want to do their own thing because they think they're the bees knees or whatever but yeah that's just that's not going to get you anywhere in my opinion you know the best is to work together to make the product a better place like me and Jim talked about in our first podcast the haunt industry the wrestling industry the goals to get the knowledge out there, try to work together to make this a better place. And, uh, you know, like back in the, you know, throughout the years, you've had a bad rap on some stuff. You've had a lot of good rap reps on some stuff, but when it comes pertains to me and you, uh, I'll drive to Lima. I'll go, I'll tell Terry, Hey, let's go see big Tom show. We'll drive to Lima. You know, we don't even pay. We walk in the back, you know, he never says anything. He expects that we walk in the back, you know, we say hi to all the boys, pay our respects. You know, I walk by, they're like, hey, there's the buffet table. He, he's got him a nice spread for the boys. 
I may or may not get a plate. I ain't gonna confirm nor deny. <laughs> you know, I ain't gonna say. But hey, I, you can eat. You can eat my share, Donnie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I said, and then I just walk up and I just sit down. There was one show. Tom, you know, when you're a promoter and it's promoter day, you're busier than crap. You ain't got time to do nothing. But I was in gorilla position with Tom almost the whole show at one of his shows, and he was kind enough to show me all of his equipment. He was kind enough to talk to me while the matches and stuff was going on, and he was trying to do his job, and he was trying to, you know, talk to me and go back and forth sharing ideas. He even logged on to his accounts and was showing me numbers and stuff as the show was going on, and, you know, a lot of promoters would never do that. You know, people, they'd be like, dude, I'm trying to do something, you know, leave me alone, you know, but I just sat right there with him, and he was, you know, gracious enough to, you know, do, do all that, and, you know, and he's came to our shows, we've rented his ring from him and stuff, and he's came to our shows and helped out, and we, I, again, I'd sit down with him, and we would just shoot the shit and talk, and, and uh, so, you know, when it, when it comes to me and Big Tom, we have a great relationship, he's got a lot of knowledge, I pick his brain every chance I get, and uh, hopefully there's some things that I say or do that maybe, you know, rubs off on him, if, if not, yep. I'll work on it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Right. Well, I will. T I will tell you this. I know you got. I know you got somebody that's uh, on your roster right now. Um, you know, and I will say this. You know, we mentioned him earlier about Sean Lau and Peachy Rodriguez, and you mm -hmm. know, we don't see eye to eye after all these years or whatever. You know, and that sort of thing. But I will tell you this: is that is somebody that if you give him the right opportunity, he has the knowledge, and he will help you in every way, shape, or form. Because he is somebody that me and Dusty Dillinger beat the shit out of and training and mm -hmm. we taught him the good the bad and the ugly of professional wrestling and he was he was with me for a very very long time and you know i still consider him a friend even though we don't see eye to eye but right. you know what i still have a mutual respect for sean and you know and to this day i will tell you this that if that's somebody that you need help with he will he will jump in and help you and mm -hmm. he knows he knows that guess what if he don't conduct business in the right way to this what we talked about that has a reflection on the me and dusty yeah. And Sean, Sean knows that. And, you know, and like I said, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, you're right, Donnie. I mean, I, I told you, you know, if you ever needed me, um, you know, wanted my knowledge and all of that, I would, you know, I would do it. And the crazy thing about it is, is after doing this for 17 years of promoting, I can count on one hand how many promoters have, other promoters have came to me and asked me my opinion on things. And you're right. It, it has more to do with just our egos. And, and to be honest with you, I don't have an ego at all. You know, I'm very confident in what we do and what we put forth on, on the table, you know, um, but I don't have an ego at all at this point, because the bottom line is, is I, I want to be able to try to help other people. Um, you know, um, and like I told you, you know, you, you asked me about the ring aprons, you know, I called you right back, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm sitting there at my show. Actually, I was sitting at our show on 4th of July when you called me and I said, hey, let me give him a call back or whatever. Let me, you know, give you, you know, take five minutes out of my day to make sure that, you know, um, that he knows what's going on with the ring aprons and all of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's what it's about. You know, it's about helping. It's about, you know, all of us uh, working together, you know. Um, especially in Columbus, I will tell you this, I have a soft spot in my heart uh, for the Columbus wrestling scene only because I lived there for like 10 years and I never, ever ran a show there. And, uh, you know, so I think, you know, you being able to, to do something there, um, try to build something there, whatever, you know, I'm going to live vicariously through you guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, you know. All right, we're trying to make it work. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you the clock on the wall is running down. And, you know, Tom, we're going to have to have you on again because there's just so much more that we've got to cover and we yep. can't squeeze it all into one show. As a matter of fact, I think Absolutely. I'm going to make this two shows. Right on. 
Um, well, I'll t- I will tell you this, guys. If you ever need me, just give me a couple of days notice and I'll free up my schedule and I'll make sure that I can help in any way, shape, or form. And, uh, you know, if you guys got uh, some listeners or whatever that want uh, some – got some questions or whatever want to ask me, I will absolutely 100% answer them truthfully uh, as best as I can. That's perfect. And, and is there uh, any way that people can find out more about World Wrestling, about you, your promotion? Uh, is there social media out there you want to put? Yeah, we have, we have social media. Um, you'd look just look under War Ohio or whatever. Um, our business page will pop up. And then, uh, and then my personal page will pop up. Thomas Williams has a picture of our uh, War, uh, War Wrestling or whatever. That's kind of where they'll find out about our shows. One thing I do want to plug or whatever real quick, if you guys don't mind, is, is we got a show September 7th. I'm in Lima, Ohio at the Bradfield Community Center. And the cool thing about this show is, is uh, we're letting in all first responders in 100% free. Nice. Uh, my brother, my brother-in-law is actually a Westerville cop. Um, and I know what he goes through day in, day out or whatever, and the stresses and all this that, and the other. And I know a few years ago, a couple of his brothers were actually killed in the line of duty in Westerville um, and that sort of thing. So we call this show Freedom Fight 2, and we allow every single uh, first responder in free plus one guest. So, you know, if someone's in Columbus, Ohio, and they're a wrestling fan and they're free on September 7th, get it, come up to the Bradfield Community Center in Lima, Ohio, or whatever, show us your ID and you'll get into the show 100% free. That's an amazing thing. And the first responders don't get enough respect. And this is a way to show them some of that respect, Tom. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, with that being said, gentlemen, uh, it's been a great conversation, Tom. Yes. Again, we're going to have to have you on again. Uh, for those of you that are listening or watching, this man here has got a lot of knowledge. Pay attention to what he's talking about, because if you want to be a promoter or you're a promoter struggling, there's a lot of good information in this in this video and audio podcast. So stay tuned. We're going to split this into two shows. You're going to get more of Tom, you're going to get more of Donnie, more of John, and a lot more of me, me to Jim. We are Wrestle Horror. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good night. Thanks. Take it easy, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media outlets, facebook.com backslash Wrestle Horror, Instagram at Wrestle Horror, Twitter at Wrestle Horror, on our YouTube channel, the Wrestle Horror channel. Also, you can find us at www.wrestlehorror.com.